Hey listeners, this is Jonathan Hirsch, host of Arrivals. I wanted to let you know that you can now hear the entire archive of Arrivals episodes on Stitcher Premium. And we have more exciting and profound stories to come in the weeks and months ahead. For a free month of listening, go to stitcherpremium.com arrivals and use promo code ARRVLS. That's A-R-R-V-L-S. My full name is Wind Öyvin Omot. I was born in Norway, Oslo to be very specific. Uh, I do maybe not have the conventional memories of my childhood that many are used to. I, I do have memories of my childhood, though it's a bit difficult for me to say which ones are reconstructed and which ones may be connected directly to the original. This is Arrivals. Stories of migration, transformation, and change. The program that explores what we do when what we've done is a thing of the past. Memory. It defines us. And yet it's constantly changing. And when I think back, the story of my life is made up of these countless scenes. They're edited over time, of course. I interpret them and give them new meaning. In my earliest childhood memory, though, I'm walking out of a candy store in San Anselmo, California, with a little bag of black licorice, and it's shimmering in the sunlight. And I think to myself, this is happiness. But is that what really happened? It seems too convenient. The licorice, the sunshine, the surprisingly thoughtful observation of a three-year-old. And maybe it did happen like that. But I'll never know for sure if the portrait I paint of myself at 20 is anywhere near the one I paint at 60. And what if you didn't have the luxury of polishing those memories, of replaying them over and over, until, like a game of telephone, what begins with one meaning is transformed into something else? What if one day you woke up and you didn't know who you were, where you'd been, or where you're going. Today on Arrivals, what happens when the world you've known suddenly disappears? After high school, it seems I started traveling quite quick. Um, I went out, I left Norway, went around in Europe, drove around with an old Volvo for a few years, just stayed a long time in France, uh, in Spain, and quite a long time in Germany also, and probably, as far as I've understood, visited all of the countries of Europe and some of uh, North Africa. I was uh, on a sailboat going around the world. I entered a boat uh, in the western side of the Pacific, we sailed around uh, the, that part of the Pacific and then crossed over up to Japan and into China. And that was the first time I arrived in China, as far as I know. And uh, I found the kind of certificates showing that I did a two-weeks Chinese course somewhere in Shanghai. And a friend of mine told me he came, met me, and we went traveling from Shanghai up the Yangtze River on a boat. Uh, got on and off the boat some time and then I 
seemingly decided to stay. Then he had gone on and he told me, I met some musicians. I decided to stay there. I played with them. I got some gigs, played around, had some work. And from there, I guess I set out to to go into the mountains, up on the highlands, Tibet, into the to Himalayas. Uh, and on that way, or somewhere in between, maybe something happened that we haven't been able to to fully figure out. I had fallen twice. I had been picked up by locals uh, unconscious from a dried out river, sent to hospital. Uh, I had had another fall in uh, kind of a there was a lot of timber uh, and, and kind of cutting of woods going on there and I'd fallen down one of these timber uh, tracks and I'd been helped into the house of some locals. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know that usually people know where they are. I didn't know I was in China. I didn't know what China was uh, compared to Norway, where I was born, that I had been born in Norway, that I knew Norwegian and other languages. I didn't know what language was and that it was Chinese that was spoken there. And if I had known much more Chinese, I would probably have understood everything or, or much more. All that I didn't know. And I had no feeling that I should know it either. So I had no awareness in kind of the, the let's call it the ordinary normal sense of, of what was going on. I wasn't aware of my uh, my state of being at all really and to for example understand amnesia you have to know what memories are and I, as I didn't remember I, I did not have a clear connection to that at, at all even though the the after a while, after I got back to Norway, for example, the expression, the term was used like 50 to 100 times every day. And, and I used it all the time, but I didn't have a, a knowledge of what it was. I didn't know that I should have known more. You know, When I was shown photos and videos and told stories by old friends, for example, I, uh, I had a good time with them then. But I didn't know that they were helping me. I didn't know uh, that they tried to get me to kind of return to something that they could relate to, somebody they knew, <laughs> in a way. Uh, I I had no feeling that, okay, I was there with them and had a, a, a feeling right there. But even though they said, oh, this is five years ago and showed me a picture. No, it didn't tell me that, aha, uh-huh, okay, then it should be also more things five years ago that I should have remembered that I don't because I didn't have that understanding of time and and what memories are. So in one case, somebody could say, like, you got to get to mother, uh, got to get to know your mother better. She's like probably the most important person in your life, grabbing my wrist, holding me, looking me straight in the eye, maybe even shaking my shoulders, things like this. And now I understand that because their mother was so important for them, because they had a relation to the memories of their mothers. No, what I was feeling in that moment was their feeling of their mothers. So that means I had emotions, but the next moment, if my eyes were like looking at the door or the lamp, or I was suddenly becoming aware that I was sitting in a chair, well, then it was the chair or the lamp or the door that took my full attention. And it, the, the feeling of that mother and the motherness 
just wasn't there in me anymore. And that, of course, wasn't because I wanted my mother to be unimportant or I wanted to not, like, not pay uh, or give them any credit for, for their relation to their mother. It was just that my state of mind was, or being, was completely different. An example many many people seem to to like, maybe due to uh, to a focus on sexuality in our societies, is um, is uh, that the first time I was lucky enough to experience uh, intercourse, I with a woman I was um, finding it like oh that was amusing, and um, it wasn't more amusing for me than anything else. But when I said it in that way. She, I know now, got really hurt and didn't like that at all. And then later I, I perceived that. So it wasn't the right thing uh, to say in a way. But for me that was, oh, that was nice. Or funny maybe. It's a word in Norwegian called mushomt, which is kind of a mix between all of that. It's Maybe it, it doesn't work in the same way in English. I, I had gotten a lot of of uh, f- kind of input in Norwegian at that. But anyway, that that wasn't the right thing to say maybe but for me everything was mushomt or amusing no then the next situation was like that sex wasn't any more amusing than other things when i was told about it by several uh, friends particularly some some males it was like oh it seemed to be from their understanding and what they projected to me something like very different from other things but for me basically stopping up and like seeing but oh wow look at that raindrop on that leaf or like oh i'm on the bus it's like cool <laughs> you know it's like i'm eating this thing and it's so good <laughs> well if i look at myself at that point i would say oh i had a pretty superficial understanding of things and i was quite naive looking from my point of view now but the association that i have to the terms naive and superficial is very different from the feeling I had at that point. It was more overwhelming, which is something very different than naive and superficial. I was also becoming aware of these different kind of memories. Like motor memory is another one. I didn't have any visual memory, for example. And visual memory was the memory that after a while, after a lot of research and, and kind of uh, months of, uh, of going to hospitals and, and universities for, for different programs, was stated to be more or less erased. You know, it was my visual sense that had been mostly erased. But since they're all connected, uh, those senses, sensual memories uh, at least, uh, know then that relates to a lot of other things also. So I didn't have a visual memory of having skied before, for example. But when I did it, my body remembered it. And then I came skiing back. I did it the first time on the frozen ocean, you know, right outside of Oslo with snow on. And my friends were there waiting for me at the at the at the marina where we went out from. No, but I, when I was still like floating in on those skis or just gliding in on those skis, I was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" You know, my body loves and knows this. I'll do this every day. And then some kind of dry comment. And of course, at that point, I didn't know what a dry comment was, but that's how I retro-observed it later. Uh, was like, yeah, well, you got to hurry because the snow is going to melt pretty soon, you know, and then you're not going to be able to walk here. It's like, snow is melting? Nobody told that to me, you know. The snow didn't have it written on itself. The same as 
people. There wasn't, uh, you know, kids growing to be youths, to be adults. It was small, medium, and large persons. I had no idea what uh, the different stages of life was. I, I didn't communicate differently. Like now I know that you basically don't speak too much, often at least, uh, about Einstein's theory of relativity to a three-year-old. But I had no clue of that at that point. Being an adult is not only being an adult, it's living adulthood to exactly know what it is. And probably that's why it's also hard for kids to understand what it is often, as I guess is a, is a common phenomenon around the world. Shortly after amnesia, I had no sense of, of what is ego or, or self or whatever it was and then or is. And then I spent some years of getting in contact with with emotions of meaning of abstract terms like that and and like amnesia and like help and gratitude that I suddenly three years after hundreds of people had helped me, I suddenly realized what gratitude was, and I like cried like in you know in cartoons where the tears just pop out of your eyes because I realized that all these situations of, of where people had taken me to places, told me stories, showed me photos or whatever, it wasn't just to be there with me, although that was nice. Also, It was also to help me. You know? And as I had no feeling what, what the abstract expression of help, what was it really was, I, I had also no feeling of, of gratitude. So I got that suddenly. And in that process, I also got closer to kind of, okay, what is self? What is ego? Is there something, is there something me in here? I, what should I do? Oh, yeah, I should find out more. Seven, six, seven years later, I went back to that area to try to find out more, to look for people that might have met me. There were, there were many tens of people uh, remembering me, telling me different things from that time I'd been there. Then we got the local TV station to film me and broadcast it. And then, like, a lot of people kind of contacted them and said, yeah, we know this guy, you know, he was a part of, he passed by there, or we were some uh, <laughs> um, relatives of us helped him. And then we got in touch with several of them and they, did, they got it into different papers and stuff. So we found out a lot of information and a lot of that information was completely absent from my mind, you know. And then I realized that what I had or what had seemed to me to be something continuous and, and kind of what I had built my, let's call it, new life on, it, it was quite different. So I don't really know what happened, uh, but I, I had some kind of, uh, within just a few hours, I had some kind of massive, uh, massive breakdown there, my first and really only one in my life. Uh, I, I cannot really explain it still, but it was... Uh, it was pretty heavy. It lasted for about 30 hours. In very short time, this kind of feeling of unease inside my body grew to, to kind of uh, just made me had to lie down. I, I cried for like 20 hours, you know, and of course, on and off, but it was, it felt basically like there was a lot of pressure coming from the outside inwards and a lot of pressure coming from the inside going outwards and it, they just met in some kind of state of like when you if ever you linger at the 
the border between the black hole and light, you know, exactly there. I don't know if you know about that phenomena, but it's an interesting phenomena. Uh, and, and it was uh, logically not graspable for me. I couldn't get it uh, to function in my mind. Why was this happening? And then I was disappearing in a way from that logical state of, of being also. So it just seemed very... Very different, very difficult to relate to at that point, and um, I guess one of that's one of the things that made me realize that uh, every experience I have is valuable, and even those so-called negative experiences add positive value to my existence. It's so complex and amazing what we're living that uh, just you know trying to compile all the takeaways would probably leave us here for hours and hours and uh, and I appreciate that you know I've I had a grown up or an adult developed mind with me when this happened and normally people spend 15 to 20 years to develop uh, that and the cognitive senses and all of this made me retro-observe uh, amazing things about how we how we behave uh, how how people interact what meanings are you know language communication for example culture you know, norms how uh, prejudice how do we relate to that? Why do we have it? How has it developed? And what do we, what is it for each one of us? Of course, it's different for each one of us. Uh, me coming from not having a connection to any of those and then kind of growing into having a connection to them first from a, a kind of a more objective point, like starting to realize the meaning of, of what... Uh, norms are how it affects people or prejudice or or emotions before I really actually got in touch with with it myself it's um it's not easy to explain that all in a few minutes but that it's an amazing experience and I'm very happy in one way to have had this thing happening to me I cannot choose now it happened you know I don't know how it would have been if it hadn't happened but it's taught me taught me a lot special thanks to Oyvind for sharing his story this conversation was recorded through phone lines connecting an island in Sweden with a living room in Brooklyn and produced in the lovely Montecito Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles California by me Jonathan Hirsch our associate producer is Nora Lind, and illustrations for the show are from Steph Tan. Special thanks to Acast, the podcast platform that supports Arrivals, for their assistance in producing this episode. If you want to know more about today's episode, visit our website. You'll find links to our Instagram and Facebook pages, updated almost daily with extras from the show, including our Arrivals microcast, En Route, with outtakes, extended interviews, and other extras from the Arrivals show. Like last week, when Karen Robbins and I talked about the episode of Arrivals she produced, Sacred Operator. You can also sign up for our newsletter there, which has information about upcoming live shows, notes on the show, and so much more. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. 
it does help spread the word. But even better, tell a friend. This show would not exist without your support. So let's make this Arrivals thing a thing. You know what I mean? Go to our website. It's A-R-R-V-L-S dot com. This show is proud to be a member of The Herd, a storytelling audio collective featuring six producers from across North America who have banded together to share resources and to promote one another's work. Check out new episodes of Vanessa Lowe's amazing podcast, Nocturne. When I swam the English Channel, I felt in the middle of the night, I felt like these heads rolling around me, like... Like people had had their heads cut off and they were rolling around and they couldn't, and I kept swimming and these things kept rolling around. And finally I yelled up to Reg Brickle and said, What is in the water with me? And he just started laughing. He said, Well, there was a, there was a barge that went by and it had a bunch of lettuce heads on board and they were rotting, so they just threw them overboard. So you're swimming through lettuce heads. And if you have a story of migration, transformation, or change you'd like to share with the program, email me at arrivalsshow at gmail.com. However you spell it, I'll get it. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again. Finn ut hvor du er, og vær der fullstendig.